It was just after midnight on June 29th of 2001 when single mother Patty Adkins clocked out of her night shift at the Honda Automotive plant in Maryville, Ohio. She then walked out into the employee parking lot and vanished. What happened to her may depend on what you believe, a story she told her friends and family before she disappeared, or the response to it. It's a case we covered previously and continue to monitor for updates and tips. Some of the information we receive is just noise, things we already knew or had already been covered. But recently, we received information that had been well-researched from a person willing to push boundaries to get answers. We cover that and more in this episode, Revisiting the Disappearance of Patty Adkins. I want to make a few points before going into this episode. When it comes to this or any other unsolved case, if we get credible information that we believe will assist law enforcement in solving that case, we're going to provide it to them before we ever report it. That should be a given, but it's important to say. It's also important to remember that everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law and not proven guilty in the court of public opinion. So with that being said, I've received feedback in the past that insinuated that our prior update to this case was clickbait. I have a very long-winded response to that. If you're not moving the needle or looking for any way you can help solve this case, you shouldn't throw stones at anyone's private efforts to do so. And unfortunately, part of that process is dealing with tips and stories that can't be corroborated or turn out to be bullshit. Point being, we're trying to keep this case in the public sphere. And we now know, in part, there is someone actively investigating and providing behind-the-scenes context to us directly. And until I could personally corroborate that information, I didn't want to release it. And most, if not all of it, is information that law enforcement already has. So I'm not breaking any real news here. Now, if you're not familiar with Patty's case, you can listen to our Silent Flowers episode to get up to speed to where we go from here. In July of last year, this podcast received an email from a listener. That email had a newspaper-produced photo of Patty's co-worker, Brian Flowers. Up to now, we had never seen his face. And to confirm it was in fact him, the listener had obtained and provided photos from Hardin Northern High School in Dola, Ohio, where Brian went to school, and it had pictures identifying him in it. A friend of this podcast, named crime blogger 1983 enhanced the photos for us making it clear from an eye test that the person whose photo appeared in the newspaper was the same person from the yearbooks identifying as brian flowers interestingly the newspaper article published in the maryville journal tribune coincided with a facebook post celebrating brian and his wife's 25th wedding anniversary what we find striking in the picture is the uncanny resemblance Brian's wife shares with Patty Adkins. Emails and tips on this case went quiet for a while, until August of this year, 
when we finally heard back from an original tipster, and oh, what a story that person told us. That tipster, that I'll refer to as Foxy Roxy, went into great detail on behind-the-scenes information that we were able to corroborate. First, the daughter of Brian Flowers had a GoFundMe page set up on her behalf by her co-workers after a tragedy. Now, regardless of the cloud of suspicion surrounding Brian, what happened to his daughter was tragic and should not be used as a weapon to cause her or the family any further pain. But for us, what that GoFundMe puts into question is any windfall of money Brian supposedly received from Patty. Unless it's long gone by now, I would expect a GoFundMe to be unnecessary. Inadvertently, what the GoFundMe did was bring a lot of traffic to the Facebook pages of Brian's children, and you can likely imagine what the outcome of that was. On January 9th of 2021, Foxy Roxy, in a very bold and possibly courageous move, posted the newspaper photo of Brian and his wife on the Maryville Tribune Facebook page with the caption, If anybody sees this guy, Brian Flowers, from Dolan, can you ask him to stop in the Union County Sheriff's Office so he can let us know where Patty Atkins is? Please and thank you. The post had over 3,600 views and 800 shares in less than a day. According to Foxy Roxy, the morning after it was posted, Jeff Styers, the lead detective on Patty's case, contacted Foxy Roxy and asked that the post be removed with a warning that Brian Flowers' lawyers would go after her for slander. Even though the post itself did not come straight out and accuse Brian of anything, apparently, just the suggestion made in the post for Brian to talk to the police was enough of an insinuation to convince Detective Styers to request it be taken down to protect Roxy from Brian's lawyers. This seems to correlate with the fact interviews and TV shows covering this case never mention Brian by name. And just to clarify, we're not accusing Brian Flowers of anything. Again, everyone is innocent until proven guilty, period. This case is ice cold for a reason. The investigators can't connect enough of what Patty supposedly told her friends and family about Brian to get a prosecutor to bring charges. And because it is all second-hand information and can't be corroborated with direct evidence, a lot of the key details become hearsay and therefore wouldn't survive a defense attorney objection to be introduced as evidence. It's a big factor in why this case is so frustrating. And that brings me to what I consider to be one of the more disturbing details in this case. The night Patty was supposed to go away with this guy, she said she was going to hide in the bed of his truck under a tonneau cover. When you hear this, alarm bells should go off. Laying in the bed of a truck under a tonneau cover is a death sentence, far more dangerous than being locked in a car trunk. You don't need to know a lot about cars and carbon monoxide to understand that, because being in the covered bed of a truck presents a carbon monoxide danger, especially if that truck sat idling for any extended period of time. A mechanic, which is what Brian was, would almost certainly know this. Add into the fact that this happened in late June, which adds summer heat to the danger. And as someone who once owned a tonneau cover, 
It makes the back of the truck almost airtight. Little oxygen is going to be available under it. And unless you have a knife on you, once that tailgate closes, you can't get out. You would have to be let out. Now, according to Brian's own words, after he left work, he and a carpool friend went to a Burger King drive through which took 45 minutes before he dropped his friend off. So if Patty was in fact in the back of that truck, and considering all of those factors, it's easy to determine what would have happened to her. And that brings me to another piece of information that was provided to us. One of the long-standing questions we had in this case was who was Brian's carpool friend? According to police, he had corroborated Brian's version of events from that night. And because... If what Patty said about her plans that night is what happened, then the carpool friend could be the key to solving this case or moving it in an entirely different direction. And until recently, the carpool friend's identity was a mystery. Well, thanks to some deep research into a tip we received, we now know exactly who he is. Now, as much as I would love to put this guy on blast and name him publicly, I won't do it. Not yet, anyway. And law enforcement already knows who he is. Now, again, we won't suggest he is involved in the cover-up of any crime or involved in a crime, period. But because he was in the truck that night, he is the true X-factor in this case. He could say definitively if there was anything unusual about the drive that night, or if he knows more than what he has said. And what do I mean by that? Well, think about what you would do if you were running out of air, trapped in what essentially was a dark and hot moving coffin, which Patty was in the back of that truck. You would likely kick and scream to get out, which would be heard from inside the truck. So one of the first questions that we would ask would be along the lines of, was the music in the truck being played louder than normal that night? Or was there something else that could have possibly drowned out noise from inside the truck? But to be clear, we don't know what was asked or answered in this case. But it's hard to ignore that every story in this case is the same. Patty Atkins told everyone close to her she was dating a married man and giving him money over the course of a year. And eventually, it was planned that she was going to clock out a little early on June 29th, just before the 4th of July shutdown week, and hide in the back of his truck. And after he dropped off his carpool friend, they were going to head to Canada for a week-long vacation together. And after Patty clocked out that night, she was never seen again. In the aftermath of Patty's disappearance, we now know the following facts. For unexplained reasons, Brian Flowers never returned to his job at Honda after June 29th. When questioned, he told police he barely knew Patty, but he had gifts she had given to him, and she knew personal details about him, and she knew that the tunnel cover would be on his truck. The money Patty said she gave to him was never traced back to him. Open records in Ohio reflect that he sold his auto repair business that he owned in Ada and still lives in the same house that police searched extensively. 
and his carpool friend, for whatever reason, put all of his assets in his wife's name, which may or may not mean anything. And to be fair, there are questions on both sides of this case. Patty's family did not file a wrongful death lawsuit after having her declared legally dead, where the burden of proof is much lower than the proof needed in a criminal case, and it's likely too late to do so now. And it's very troubling that no one stopped Patty from going through with this awful idea of hiding in the back of his truck. And for law enforcement, if there was a speck of blood found on the tunnel cover, was it tested? Because the technology is here. In fact, it's advanced to the point of touch DNA. So if Patty touched the underneath side of the cover, they could test for it. Her cat's hair DNA is likely enough to show she was in fact back there. But again, none of this proves a crime. But at a minimum, it's a starting point in a very cold, installed case. Thank you.